What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes, you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show, and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back. It's Thursday afternoon. No NFL trades. Nothing really going on, except for everything's going on because everyone could be on the move. Kirk Cousins is doing his due diligence and his notebooks still trying to figure out where he's going to wind up if he would ever take $60 million in year one from the New York Jets. But to get through all of that, it's uh, the Bucks beat writer of Peter Report. Trevor Sycama is back. Tampa Bay Trey. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. You're jinxing us because by saying that there have been no trades, there's going to be a massive trade like while we're doing this podcast, and it's going to make it completely obsolete like the second we hit end. I don't think that's a negative though. I want more trades. I think that's positive. If I can oh, I do too. Into... <laughs> we'll just like we'll be talking about them. I feel like we're just going to totally miss one. Hopefully not. Hopefully I don't not. know. I, the well, NFL... Maybe we'll on this podcast. Yeah, I think I'm more worried about that in the NBA. That seems to happen all the time. In the NBA is you'll start recording something and you'll start thinking about something and then everything is uh, upended while you're uh, researching or talking about uh, whatever on the podcast. But you know your team. The Tampa Bay Bucks, they're releasing everybody. They're going through some significant changes after their disastrous defensive performances. Yes. And even Doug Martin, who is somehow only not even 30 years old. Is he 30? I think he said he's like 29. I think he's 29. I believe he's 29. I feel like he's been in the league a long time. 29 seemed young for Doug Martin. I think he was 23 when he came in because he's been with the Buccaneers for six years. So, um I think he might have just turned 29 or maybe 28. It's one of the two. He was 22, 23 when he came in the league, and he's been with the Bucks for six years. So, Were you surprised he got cut? No, not at all, actually. Um, it was – the thing with him is that he signed – back when he signed his contract, Martin had, I believe, four years in the NFL at that point. Mm-hmm. Two of them, he – including his very first rookie year um, – he was the number two rusher in football, I think. Had 1,400 yards in each of those seasons. Um, and then he had two injury-riddled seasons in between. And then right before he signed that contract was another 1,400-yard season. So it was almost like Jason Light, the GM, his hands were kind of tied. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, this guy was number two in the league in rushing. Even though he's had two injury years, you have to, re- you, like, you have to re-sign him. It's just like a... You can't do that to the fans, to the team, to whatever, even though he had injury-riddled years. And then I think he signed him to the third-highest-paid running back contract in the league at that point, and he just absolutely has not weighed up to the third-highest running back contract in the league, including last year where you know he had the suspension for PEDs and his, his hamstring was hurt the year before, and then his ankle was hurt this year, and then he was just plain old ineffective this year. And it's like, okay, well, we, we can't pay you – the Buccaneers can't pay you this much money to 
be like a rotational running back. So we all kind of knew that was happening. Um, the Baker one too, we we knew that one was coming just because Baker for whatever reason was just God awful in Tampa Bay last year. He had half a sack total, which is crazy. It made sense in theory when they signed him. I liked it when they signed him, mm-hmm. but he just like for whatever reason, he could not hold up against the run. He could not rush the passer. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was demeanor. I hate criticizing the guy's demeanor because I'm, you know, I'm not that person. I don't know what it's like, but um, those two were, although they were big name guys for the Bucks, they were both kind of expected. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder where the what the market is, especially for someone like Doug Martin, and with so many teams just going to the running back by committee situation i wonder right who makes the most sense for him and if he's going to be one of those guys who it's going to be an awkward transition into the committee role because he still sees himself as a bell cow back or does he kind of see the lay of the land see that he's 29 years old and just get on with the team that uh will utilize him i think the jets make sense for him they're probably moving on from matt forte and i i feel like he because that report came out that they see Bilal powell as a uh, committee running back which is correct i don't think it's an insult i've always liked powell but if you throw in something like martin and then add some other piece late in the draft i think they start to have a pretty interesting backfield some yeah and i, th- I think that martin could I, I mean i think martin still brings plenty of value to a team i yeah. think that he's going to be a guy that's going to be scooped up pretty early once free agency starts the thing is that like it's it's not like doug martin can't play he just couldn't play with that contract that mm-hmm. was it so you know he'll go to another team he'll be a little bit of a piece in a little committee and he could have even been that in Tampa Bay, but you know, once you sign a guy to a huge contract like that and you tell him like, "Hey man, we're basically going to need you to take a fourth of the money you're taking now." Then you that just like that that doesn't fly. So that's why you see teams cut these guys and why they'll get picked up so quickly from another team. The Jets are an interesting spot. Um I don't know what New England's going to do, but I don't oh, know, man. you know, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Martin's going to ask necessarily, but I like Martin in New England. I think that's a good fit. So I think that depends on what they do with Deion Lewis, right? Because right, 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 right. I don't think they're going to pay him, but it's interesting that we all saw him as a. I don't want to say a star running back, but he was he was he was close. Like if you Lewis? watched a lot of the Patriots this past year, and I watched a ridiculous amount. I it was not even by I, by choice. I just seemed like I watched the entirety of the second Jets patriots game i don't know why i think that was just a weird nfl sunday where there wasn't anything on that slot so i just ended up watching the whole game and it was like Deion lewis was in the regular season just he was their bell cow back who he's good and he is but they are not going to pay a running back like that so no 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 i don't know i don't know where he goes but he's going to be maybe my most interesting running back like i think who would you rather have for like I don't want to say a crazy deal. Would you rather have Doug Martin at a discount or Deion Lewis at superstar running back money? I guess it depends um, on the team. I mean, Deion Lewis, I, I, obviously how much money it is certainly matters a lot. But like I, I've said that because we've, we've kind of known that Doug Martin was going to be on his way out, that they were going to move on from that contract. Charles Sims is a free agent mm. and Jacquees Rogers. I mean, it's kind of just a rotational backer at, or a bench kind of a guy. Um, I've thought about Deion Lewis in Tampa Bay and I've, Ooh. I've, you know, I've suggested that to a couple of the readers. Another running back is Jarek McKinnon, but it's these, it's like these two guys who were maybe started off as rotational guys, but all of a sudden you're realizing, Hey, the more touches you get this guy, the more he kind of proves himself. And I think that's the thing with Deion Lewis. And, um, I think what might be a good thing going for him and with a lot of teams who might be interested in Deion Lewis is the fact that I don't think he's going to want top running back money. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get it. So then you might almost still be able to have like a bargain kind of a player with Lewis who can be a down the stretch runner in the third and the fourth quarter to where you can go to him if it's third down and passing or second down and short or whatever you need from him. And so uh, I like him in Tampa Bay, but I would, I mean like I, w- I would just rather have Deion Lewis in general. I think, I think the most, interesting landing spot for lewis is detroit because detroit's just had a terrible running game for years and years and years and obviously there's the connection with patricia but yeah they've got to somehow assemble a competent running game and i mean if you still believe in amir abdul at this point uh, more power to you but i like <laughs> the combination if you throw him in there with theo riddick and a couple other guys like that's a much more interesting offense and they're keeping jim bob cooter on the offensive staff with patricia so the offense will be the same and I, I don't know. I think Deion Lewis, if I'm Detroit, is my main target this offseason. 
I think that's a great fit. I really do. No, I'm with you. All right. Well, there we go. We solved the Lions offseason. We've solved the Bucks. Uh, by solving the Bucks, I mean that they're going to be bad again next year. So there's nothing really they can do. You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, how many months away are we from people talking themselves into the Bucks being the surprise team like the Saints uh, this past uh, year? Um, depending on who's in free agency, uh, they have plenty of money to make another big splash in free agency. That's what it's going to be. Is they're going to be then, really active in free agency? They're going to get a couple right, good names. Maybe right. Trade and then, for Marcus you know, Peters. They're, they're <laughs> picking it. They're picking at number seven, so they're going to pick probably a high-profile guy. Mm-hmm. And no, we're about you know we're about three four months away from people once again going, hey, the Bucks, you know, they're doing some good things, and I'm going to be like, yeah um not buying it so it's unless there's kind of like a drastic change in the coaching style it's hard for me to think that they're going to be that much better because a lot of what they did last year that was not successful and they certainly i've I've written this a couple of times you know the phrase like they didn't have the horses to finish the race there Mm -hmm. were certain like they did not have the right guys in the defensive line to be a good pass rush they did not have the guys in the secondary to have a good uh, pass defense. Um, their offensive line was much worse than they thought that it was going to be. But at the same time, Dirk Cutter really struggled with situational play calling last year. And I think that they also struggled in a deeper sense with play design. Um, I don't think that there were a lot of route concepts that complemented each other. You know, they tried to get so many one on ones, but they did so in a way that was very like linear. Like it was like, okay, well, we're going to give Cameron Brake the best matchup by where we line him up. But then you see teams around the league, like for example, the Patriots or the Steelers or whoever, who make passing offenses look so easy. And it's because they have all these complement routes going on everywhere. So mm-hmm. it's like they're not just getting one on ones by how they line people up, but how. You know, an outside guy might be running a post, and then the guy on the inside is running a running a flat route where you've got to make a defense choose, and then you have an easy target or something like that. The Bucks just didn't do that, and I think that showed up a lot with they were very poor in the red zone, just couldn't get it down in the red zone. And then even when they got themselves into third and short situations, they would go spread offense like five four wide, like on third and three or third and two, they would just go four wide, five wide all the time. And it's like, come on, you're doing the hard work to get yourself into a manageable situation. And you're not even allowing yourself to, like, have a run play. Like, just run the ball, get the two yards, something like the Bucks. Just so it's just it's it was philosophical for me. Like, when it comes to believing in the Bucks, and just a deeper answer to that kind of joking question that you asked, how many months away are we? The roster's still gonna look good. The roster's still gonna it look alluring. Looks good for people whatever are gonna reason. People are gonna yeah. continue to you know people are gonna talk about Jameis Winston taking the next step and blah blah blah. And like that's gonna happen. But for me, it's just like man. I've just got to see it to believe it because this coaching staff has to be a lot better in 2018 for them to do anything, regardless of who they acquire. Well, you know, there's nothing that will spark a coaching staff like almost getting completely replaced by John Gruden until they did. <laughs> yeah, let me. Yeah, <laughs> let me tell you that was uh, that was real. That was that speculation was real. And if the Raiders hadn't offered him that monster contract, I think John Gruden would be in Tampa Bay. But. Yeah, but I guess that's good for Jason Light because I assume that he would not be. And that's a weird situation with Reggie McKenzie. We don't really know what their new power structure is now in Oakland, but I assume John Gruden has final say. But at the same time, I don't know. if Light's a good GM. He still makes sense to me. And I just think it's weird to not, at least I was just surprised if you're not going to fire Dirk Cutter, I would have moved on from Mike Smith. But I, I don't really understand why they didn't make any adjustments to a team that just finished last in the I, NFC South. <laughs> That was odd. I to me. think it, it, no, and and it's really odd. But you know, I honestly think they got blindsided. I really think they thought that they were going to get John Gruden, and I truly mean I truly mean this when I say that it had the Raiders not looked at that ten year, ten million dollar a year contract and just went okay, <laughs> then yeah. I I I I think the Bucks even win negotiations against the Raiders as long as it's not that high. So I really do think that the Bucks for the last two, three, two, three months, kind of at the end of the season, were thinking that they were going to get John Gruden. And when it didn't happen, I think they kind of panicked. And I think that they kind of went, they, they went the whole like, well, of course we're not going to get rid of him after two years kind of a thing. And it's like, uh, I, I just think that got caught off guard. That's mm. the thing. I think that more changes would have happened had the Gruden thing not been going on. Interesting. You know, it sounds like the worst like 
the situation to be in is watch the Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers both run uh, red zone offenses simultaneously. <laughs> like yeah. Imagine a um, split screen where we just get to watch Sark in the red zone and Dirk Cutter in the red zone. And that's just another part of hell is just watching <laughs> them both try to score a touchdown in the red zone over and over again. And then um, at the end where you think it's over, you'll have a defender talk about how they knew what play was coming before. Good God, man. Um, that that whole Julio Jones quote where he's like, yeah, we uh, we knew exactly what they were doing the entire time, and they did not change even when we continued to burn them. Just made me shake my head so hard. It's, uh, it's not great, but, you know, year two. <laughs> Things might be better. They uh, it might be better, but you know, Gotta Matt believe. Lafleur. I'm gonna be annoyed by this. I think I tweeted this a couple weeks ago, but I'm gonna be annoyed when Matt Lafleur re-energizes the Tennessee Titans offense with Mariota and just continue to shake my head at the Falcons not just promoting Matt Lafleur to offensive coordinator when they have mm-hmm. the chance. I, I don't get that at all. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, well, that's enough Falcons, Buck, but I know people were excited to get our Falcons and Tampa Bay Buccaneers insight into the start of this podcast, because that's how most podcasts should start, is red zone <laughs> offenses with uh, Steve Sarkeesian and Dirk Cutter. So most people, that's what the people want. But uh, there's other things going on in the NFL, like Kirk Cousins, who is dominating, I think, the NFL conversation, which is interesting, because there's a piece that I, I, I do want to work on um, at some point that... I, I've thought about this a lot is like if you look at football outsiders like offensive DVA with quarterbacks, it's like Tyra Taylor and Kirk Cousins are very close in a lot of categories, but you don't hear any conversation around, oh, who's going to back up the Brinks truck for Tyra Taylor? It's are the Jets going to pay $60 million to Kirk Cousins in year one just to bring in uh, a competent quarterback? And it's it's odd. I have some theories, but Kirk Cousins is clearly going to get a lot of money this offseason. And I'm still not even rem- like the least bit confident of where he's going to go. Where where are you leaning right now with Kirk Cousins? I still think, uh, I mean, all of our, our, our gut feelings kind of when we knew this was going to happen was Denver, right? I mean, a lot of people think that Denver was probably the leader at the clubhouse. I kind of still think it's going to be Denver. Um, hmm. I, I just think that, Make the case for Denver. I, um, I think the offense is somewhat in place there already from the Peyton Manning era that was before. Uh, I don't necessarily think that Elway is going to want to leave the draft to chance, knowing that he is going to have to move up to get the quarterback that he wants for like probably. So he also really fucking nailed it with Paxton Lynch. So I think he should take another swing at drafting <laughs> a quarterback in the first round. If there's one thing see, we learned is John Elway knows a quarterback when he sees one. See, but I, jeez, um, you're right. Um, I think that that's that's also probably part of the fuel of the fire. Where I, I wonder if that scares Elway. You, you know, the people like John Gruden is one of these examples of these people that loves to work with quarterbacks. But they're scared to take one yeah, because they, they don't want to end up with a veteran because they don't want to fail. No, no, no matter who you are, it even if you are a former quarterback or a former whatever yourself, a lot of these guys are afraid to make the pick on a franchise quarterback and miss because if you miss, that's your tenure. It's over. It's over for you. And if you continue to get safer veteran guys who are in the NFL who you don't necessarily have to give a learning curve to and you don't have to grow up in the game and everything, um, then that's a little bit easier for you to not only work with with your offense. The ceiling might be lower, but it's easier for you to work with, and you can always have that in your back pocket buying you a couple extra years as a coach. Why are they available? Because it's so hard to find a quarterback to begin with that you still have to kind of raise your eyebrow of like why is this team letting him go or why do they want to move on from him? That's always my concern with a veteran quarterback is like if you're an all-time talent veteran quarterback, then the team is going to keep you like the team is going to keep you for 15 years. But I think the Redskins are kind of a dumpster fire. So I think Cousins is safest in that regard. 
That's true. The Redskins situation is just weird in and of itself with the franchise tag after franchise tag and just the way they botched the Kirk Cousins experience. But I don't think Scott McLuhan is very high on him, if I recall the way he's talked about Kirk Cousins. So that kind of mm-hmm. concerns me. But because he's seen a lot of Kirk Cousins and he is a really smart talent evaluator who I look at his Twitter account every day because it's, it's pretty great. But he uh, was not a big fan. I, I don't know where... He fits. I mean, my thing with Denver has always been I would go Baker Mayfield because he does seem like someone who would energize that team. And he seems to me to be the safest quarterback in the first round for anybody like Josh Rosen. I think if I wasn't concerned about his health would be the safest, but I'm still just not sure what to make of that. And I think uh, you could see his career either being really solid for 15 years or like completely marred by injuries and he just never is able to stay healthy for a year. So I don't know. The beating that his shoulders already taken, and especially with the Andrew Luck stuff, it's it's concerning. So I'm still like, if I was a someone like John Elway, I would like I would want Baker Mayfield because I think you could start him day one, and that would energize that fan base. And if you look at the way the AFC West is shaping up anyway, I think uh, kind of reevaluating, reassessing of like, okay, who's going to be contending? Like, I think they have time to figure things out, and I think. They, they do need to make some sign, some sort of adjustment because they flamed out in such spectacular fashion last year that uh, if they do move on from Manuel Sanders, I would start going through not like a full teardown, but a full reset. And I think Kirk Cousins going to Denver would indicate that they still think they're capable of winning a Super Bowl in the yeah. term. And I don't think that's possible right now. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, I just don't know if Elway is going to just leave it to the draft again. I just don't think he's going to. Are we also sure Vance Joseph's a good coach? Um, his quarterbacks have been god awful, so I can't yeah. even I can't really judge him. You know, that's true. Like like those quarterbacks have been trash. Not so great. I don't really know. But Trevor really Simeon, he was great in Week One. Yeah, didn't he throw like four touchdowns, five touchdowns in one game, something that like that? Was, uh, it, I I believe it. It was it was a lot, but uh, it was like Denver. I think it was like against Dallas or something, maybe. Los I don't Angeles. Well, they had the Chargers oh. where Kim had the game tying field goal, and then they called the timeout right before, and he kicked it again, and he missed it, and then the Chargers lost in very Chargers fashion. Yikes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still think like the Chargers are in win now mode and the Raiders, if they have a healthy David Carr, are gonna be contending. And obviously the Chiefs aren't going anywhere and what we saw from Hubs, like it I would not bet on him not turning into a superstar. He seems like Who is this? Uh Who Mahomes with the Chiefs. I think Oh, I love I love Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I think I mean I'm just not betting against Andy Reid in the regular season for sure. So it's like if you're the Broncos you kind of need to go, okay, if they have Phillip Rivers, they have David uh, Derek Carr, and the Chiefs are still probably going to win the AFC West again next year, why not just take a rookie quarterback and let him develop and kind of be in the background for a year or two and like get younger and um, reassess, reassess uh, where your um, goals are? Because I just... Kirk Cousins just feels wrong to me for them because they are not in win now mode or they should not be in win now mode. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know if the, I don't know if Denver's in win now mode. I mean, what about the Jets? Old. They're an old team still. I know. They, yeah. What about the Jets? <sighs> no, the Jets. I don't like the Jets for them because I would much rather the Jets actually just do this thing right yep. and build from the ground up. Like Kirk Cousins, I think is good, but like you, the Jets just straight up don't have the pieces around them to contend even in the first like couple of years. Like if I'm the Jets, if I'm the Jets, what I'm doing is I'm making sure that I get my quarterback of the future in this draft, like whoever you want to say it is amongst the top four guys or whatever. And I am, I am planning to pounce in three years when Brady's done. Like the second Brady retires, the Jets need to put the Jets need to start right now and put them into position to the second Brady retires, they're there to swoop up the division. Because the Dolphins kind of seem like a train wreck, so they might waste an extra year right here. So you might get a head start on them. I don't know what's going on with Buffalo. It'll depend on what they do with their first two picks, but it seems like they're just kind of like moving pieces here and there. They're still in transition mode. The Jets have a chance to like starting with the draft, maybe in free agency, who knows? 
Just like start at that ground zero and have that three-year plan to the second that Tom Brady retires, they're there to pounce for the division. That's what I would do. Yeah, but New York doesn't rebuild. They reload. <laughs> uh, they, they've been reloading bad teams for a while now then. Yeah, I don't know what they do. It, it's weird. I get that the frustration and like they're starting to get anxious because, I mean, we saw their quarterback play with Bryce Petty. Like watching Bryce Petty play quarterback in 2017 was not fun for anybody so i can understand the anxiety within that front office but i don't think kirk cousins but also i think it's it makes less sense for kirk cousins because all we've heard is like he has these notebooks on every team that he knows their salary caps and he knows their offensive schemes and he's he's going to be very careful with where he goes none of that would seem to indicate that the jets would make sense for him if that's the way he thinks and he's taking it that seriously like Outside of the Jeremy Bates connection, which, I, whatever, um, who was out of the league for years and then after getting fired by the Seahawks and then just reemerged as the QB coach in uh, New York and is now the offensive coordinator and we're all pretending like that might be a slam. D- I, I don't understand it. Like, I, sure, whatever. But I just, I don't think it makes any sense for him. The team that I come back to for Kirk Cousins that I think we're overthinking should be, I guess it's just really a cap situation if they can afford to miss the Vikings. That's where he should go. Like they it's, have the yeah. defense. No. They're ready to win now. They, yeah. It's the Vikings. Yep. Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I think the Vikings, have, and I mean, the Vikings have a chance to do it, right? Uh, the, all of their quarterbacks could, all three of them could be gone, I think, right? Yeah. Well, then, the weird stuff with Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if you've seen like the weird cap stuff that they could do with him because of like his pup situation that mm-hmm. they could retain, like they could if they wanted to be sticklers and dicks to Teddy Bridgewater, I think they can keep him so they can still try and trade him later. And mm-hmm. he can't get become an unrestricted free agent. There's something weird with his contract and the way he was designated last year that um, there's something, there's some clause where he can be uh, traded potentially and won't get to pick his own team. But uh, yeah, Sam Bradford, like why would you pay a guy who's like knee is just bad? And right they're not going there's no way they will no way what are you gonna do back up like case keenum i mean no no i just no i like Cus- case keenum but the Kirk- best part about Kirk case Cousins- keenum was he was competent at a unbelievably reasonable rate that is a slam dunk because when you're able to like pay a bunch of other guys and your quarterback can still be competent enough making no money and yeah that, that's great but then you Kirk- pay case keenum no Kirk cousins to me is exactly what you would hope you would get from case keenum right Mm -hmm. so like depending on what case keenum is asking for money wise if it's anywhere close to kirk cousins which i i i I don't know i really don't know what case keenum's gonna ask for but if you were to sign keenum the whole time i would have keenum i would just be hoping he could be a quarterback like kirk cousins well then why don't you just get kirk cousins yeah because then you have him so that I I don't know what their salary cap is. They're probably super tight because they were a good team, mm-hmm. but um, no, no, they're they're tight. They are. Uh, that's the whole thing. Is like I don't have it in front of me, but I know the Vikings. The problem there is not um, the fit. It is, and they made a great hire in John D. Filippo as their new offensive coordinator, and everything else. It's just that team just makes perfect sense for him, and I, I don't really. Um, outside of finances, I don't know why he wouldn't do that. But like Case Keenum, I don't really know. If he doesn't return to the Vikings, I don't really know where else he goes. There's not a lot of other teams that make a lot of sense for him. Um, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, like we, we could we could go over kind of the same the same teams that would want Kirk Cousins would then I don't know be it's like take Keenum as like a consolation prize. So I mean, Arizona's one. I mean, Denver would be one. The Jets would be one. The Jags would be a nice spot, but it's just not gonna. I don't think it's gonna happen. Their cap is too, their cap is too tight, anyways. But it's kind of the same teams. Jacksonville will be the same teams. My team, like another one, it, it's staring us all in the face. We know who Jacksonville should, what they should do. It's Nick Foles. It's a weird way to say Lamar Jackson, but go on. They don't need a rookie quarterback. They're. I, I don't. You know where I want Lamar Jackson. Now this is in my like. I, I might do a dance on draft day if this is where he Okay, is. let's hear it. Baltimore. Oh, that's I have not heard that yet. Go on, explain. So Baltimore is they have Greg Roman as an offensive assistant, and I think he's like the associate head coach. 
great running game. They have a great offensive line play. I want someone to push Joe Flacco because we know Joe Flacco had a back problem last year. And we don't know. Like I would not bet on Joe Flacco playing 16 games and it's time for them to invest in another quarterback. And I think this is a team where the Steelers are still on top of this division as long as Big Ben is still playing. And it seems like he's going to play another year at the, at the bare minimum. And then you have Lamar Jackson stepping in. And I, I love Lamar Jackson. And you put him in Baltimore. You put him with those pieces. You let him and Alex Collins. I, I just, in that defense, I like Lamar Jackson going to a good organization, a good situation where he can sit behind Flacco until he gets injured. And then uh, I think it's a good fit for him and just that uh, personnel and doing more with less because it's not like they're riddled with talent outside of uh, – collins and like i don't even know if they have a tight end anymore is it crockett gilmore at this point because everybody else is hurt <laughs> i hope so because that's such an elite name crockett gilmore he like won me a fantasy week like two years ago but uh yeah I, that's where i want lamar jackson is baltimore that's a really interesting take i like i i mean i, I don't i have no idea where lamar jackson's gonna go because from the media side that you you hear okay well a lot of these draft expert people want them to move the wide receiver i have no idea if they're just saying that for clicks and attention or if they actually mean it what you can just add bill polian yeah bill polian is definitely one of them i think uh cashley was another one from nfl network oh so this is actually like picking up there are more people actually suggesting he should be antoine randall eld yeah no there are a couple people who really do think that lamar jackson should be like a wide receiver but again okay so that's only on the media side like we've only heard this on the media side and then we've heard some other people say look i've talked to scouts for the last year about this literally none of them have talked about lamar jackson as a wide receiver so like that's not a thing so i don't know again like if the media is just saying this because you've got to drive attention and uh business is a business and you have to get uh views and clicks and all that stuff so you say something like this i have no idea but um I I did I think it's crazy from what we're seeing and I don't know what I don't know what Jackson's value is at this point. I don't know if people think he's a top five quarterback. I don't know if people think he's a day two quarterback. I don't know if people think he's a complete project. So I think the teams that have the potential to draft Lamar Jackson is literally wide open. I think any thirty two all thirty two teams could possibly have their chance at getting him. So the Ravens, why not? I guess. I don't know. How old is Flacco? How old is he? Uh, he's gonna be old right old enough to be out of the league hopefully wow wow did it, he's 33 okay yeah that's an interesting backup because <laughs> what's his contract like uh not great but it, i think it's only one more year of an being an albatross contract then so, yeah then uh then that might make sense i'm gonna look up his contract here i don't i, I just we cannot subject the Ravens fans to more years of Joe Flacco under center. Joe Flacco. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. No, you, you can't. Uh, oh, are you looking at his yards per attempt it. this past year at 5.7? No, I'm looking no? at his okay. contract. I'm looking at his contract. You can't get out of this. But that's the it's thing. Like, it's like you can't get out of it. So just draft somebody like that's the it'd whole be, thing. It'd be $28 million dead cap if they cut him this year. It'd be $16 million dead cap if they cut him next year. And then there's a potential out in 2020. But if not, then it's $8 million in dead cap if you cut him then. So you can't you can't cut Joe Flacco for free until 2021. Yikes. Yikes. Jeez, man. Last three years, he went 3-7, and 8-8, seven, eight and 9-7. Eight and nine and, seven. and those last three years, he made $69 million, $53 million, $28 million just awful well that's to the cap it sorry that's not what he made but that's to the cap it they haven't been in the playoffs since 2014 this contract is awful what in the world it's the super bowl contract that was his reward for winning the super bowl oh my gosh this thing is awful who wrote this can you imagine what uh the contract would have been for case keenum if he'd won the super bowl in minnesota like, you could never get out of that. Like, they would have had to back up everything for Case Keenum <laughs> if he had won that game and then won the Super Bowl. The first Super Bowl team to win it in their home stadium. I was thinking about that, too. Or, like, what would have happened if Blake Bortles had beaten the Pats and what the kind of contract they would have had to give him if they had gotten to the Super Bowl and won. All right, can we talk crazy scenario real quick? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um. Hold on, I'm looking up one thing. 
All right. Nick Foles is 29. Okay. He just won you the Super Bowl. What would it take for you to trade Carson Wentz? Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm talking crazy scenario here. Um, Like, if one of the teams this year, drafting in the top five or whatever that's looking for a quarterback, like if Denver calls and they're like, hey, we'll give you three first-round picks. I wouldn't do it if I was Denver. You would? No, I would not if I was Denver. Okay. I don't know. Did you see that report this week about his knee? And it's kind of a dim. I I saw this on Bleeding Green Nation of like, it was kind of an ominous outlook on Carson Wentz post-injury. Like the way he's going to, like apparently he might have to wear a knee brace for the rest of his career. I mean, that's, yeah, that's probably, I mean like anybody who really tears the ACL and tries to play professional football, you're kind of wearing a brace the rest of your life. But we don't know what that will affect his, like, because he was so good at moving around in the pocket and just, he's just a different kind of quarterback. Like we don't know how much of his athleticism is going to be zapped post-injury i guess i don't know it's not like andrew luck worry but it's uh yeah we can get to andrew luck in in a second here but i just like it's not something that i would do because i haven't fully thought about it but like you just won the super bowl with nick Foles. it's true he's obviously on the cheat for you in quarterback and there's a clause in his contract that could keep him around a couple extra years if some the other way i would just if one of these teams if one of these teams, well, sure, but if you can get a... Could you get a first for Nick Foles at this point? Could the Jaguars I, give I, up their first for Nick I Foles? I mean, if you ask me, no, but... Is there what a team you out get? there that would do it? I think there are. You think so? Like, uh, if you're the Buffalo Bills, and you think you're close, and you're not gonna... And you finally want to let Tyrod Taylor be happy and go to a situation where he's not having to look over his shoulder... I mean, it would make sense. Like, I don't think Brian Dabble and Tyrod Taylor are going to work. Going to go ahead and say that it's going to go the Jalen Hurts route, probably, where mm-hmm. eventually he's going to get replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Tyrod right. a lot. I just, I don't. So think do I. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. But if you're Buffalo, you're like, we just made the playoffs. First time in forever. We could be close. Go on a run. The AFC is pretty terrible these days. Why not? Let's just give up a lot. Like, Bills will probably give up. Like, they have a war chest now suddenly with Brandon Bean running things with draft picks maybe they back everything up for Carson Wentz and the Eagles would still say no because the Eagles I think Doug Peterson said this week that if Carson Wentz was playing he would have been Super Bowl MVP it's a weird thing to say I think that's a weird thing to say after you basically played the perfect offensive game yeah like the Patriots literally didn't stop him if I was Nick Bolt, I'd be kind of annoyed by that actually but he's like the most team first guy in existence so i'm sure he wasn't but i'd be like uh i was the super Bowl mvp because I, <laughs> I i led us there carson wentz was not around and uh we were underdogs week after week and uh we won the super bowl because of it like all right like I, I don't know i think i'd be a little pissed off if i was nick Foles hearing that all right so andrew luck mm-hmm. i mean is the dude even gonna play football again can we we gotta start there well so ethan and i this whole uh, past uh season we um oh the dog here is not uh, excited about this conversation but yeah. uh big big uh andrew luck fan big andrew luck fan not excited about the potential long-term outlook for andrew luck but i will say it seems like there's more chatter now and andrew luck like commented like second surgery on his shoulder is out of the question so i guess that's potentially a positive and he's like throwing weighted balls or something i, I don't like, really know i'm not come a doctor on. so i don't I re- know i read the report the other day that said they're quote unquote hopeful that he throws at otas what <laughs> you're hopeful are you serious this dude's been out of football for over a year now i i don't know it's not great but my whole theory like i think how hard are they gonna sue this surgeon for his shoulder if this goes down the tubes, I, I I don't know. I wonder what kind of clause he, <laughs> injury clause he has in his contract. I don't know, man. I don't know. I was worried about that last year. Okay, so like last year when they were when they started getting shaky talking about Andrew Luck, I had tweeted before the I think before the year started, or no, it might have been like right when the year started mm-hmm. when the kind of news was talking about Andrew Luck, and I said that Andrew Luck's not playing this year. Yeah. He's not, but he was active, and, wasn't he? Like on the active roster at one point. Yes. Yes, and then like it, they started like it started to come out about like doubts about his shoulder, and I just said he's not gonna play this year. There's no way. 
And then it ended up turning that, hey, a couple weeks later, he was put on inactive, and then they reexamined his shoulder, and then he didn't play this year. But, like, how do you have – the whole reason why you don't play him at all during the season is because you do it to get it right. Mm-hmm. And here they are. We're, we're going to be almost – not even a year after the surgery. We're going to be almost a year after that moment. That he is still, quote-unquote, just hopeful to throw the ball? Yikes, man. That's not good. It's not That's great. not good. I just... I don't think we see Sam Bradford ever start an NFL game again. And I... The Vikings, the way they were talking about Bradford, I still can't get over, like, just the bad knee. Of just, like, he just has nothing left in that knee. Like, it's just bad. There's no... Like that was so sad when he trotted out and tried to play quarterback again in the middle of last year and he just couldn't do it. And it was yeah. just like, Oh yeah, there's nothing more that this guy can do with the, that knee. And he didn't go back into the game in case Keenan finished it out. Yeah. Um, the rest is history. But I, I don't know. I think it's so hard to read where he is because there's so much misinformation. It's kind of like the Markel Fultz stuff where it's like, we don't really know who to believe. And like the Colts are saying one thing, Andrew Luck saying another, like the cert, like, there's just so many different narratives flying around that I, I generally have no idea, but would it surprise me if we never see Andrew Luck again? No. Would it also not surprise me at all if he's like their opening day starter? Nope. So I, I don't know, but if I'm the Colts, if I'm Chris Ballard, I'm very much thinking long and hard about tr- trying to trade him because I think someone will like call the Browns. That's what I'm doing. Like the Browns have a bunch of picks and John Dorsey is obviously not going to wait around and, I would see what you could get. Like, call Cleveland. See what they would offer for Andrew Luck at this point. Like, what do you think it would be, though? Like, if the Colts if the Colts called him up and went... Oh, we, we want number one overall. Yeah, if the Colts were like, hey, we want number one, we'll give you Andrew Luck. I would do want you... one and four. Oh. But at that point... See, here we go. At that point, if Andrew Luck's worth is a first in the is number one and number four then aren't you confident enough that you're going to get him back no i'm just playing this is like playing poker where it's like i think a lot okay. of people are still desperate like i'm playing the teams of like okay these guys haven't had a competent quarterback in 15 years. like the jets what would they do for andrew luck there are some desperate teams out there who just the possibility of having a top 10 quarterback again yeah. they'll do it I think a lot See, of the teams Jets, are desperate. The, Especially like the, Jets the desperate are, GMs. Go to the desperate the, GMs. The Jets are a team that like I wouldn't do it. Mm. What like from the Jets perspective or from the Colts yeah, perspective? Yeah, just from the Jets but like from the reason that I kind of mentioned earlier about what I want the Jets what I would want the Jets strategy to be. But we already know that they're targeting guys like Kirk Cousins and paying them a bunch of money up front. Well, yeah, they might do it. So that's what I'm I saying. Guess. Like I'm thinking of like would these teams do it and if I'm the Colts, if I'm Chris Ballard and I'm looking at the lay of the land, like who was desperate, who can I target, who would give up a King's ransom to get even the thought of Andrew Luck and teams that would overlook the fact that he hasn't played football in over a year and that we don't know if he's even going to be 100% okay. I'm sure that's what they would want to know is like are we sure he's going to play? But I, I don't know. I, I would very much consider it. Like if you're the Colts and you're Chris Ballard and you can like get a first or go number one overall and just take like Sam Darnold one overall and just reset the franchise. Mm-hmm. I would very much. Consider I mean, the it. rest of the roster is God awful. So. Yeah. So what are you going to be winning with Andrew Luck in the near term anyway? Right. Might as well just have him do another uh, two shoulder surgeries. Why not? Then it'll time out, right? Well, I think part of the reason he was left out is because everyone knew that Chuck Pagano was getting fired in the year. Yeah, right, right. So, like, what's the point of even throwing him out there knowing that uh, they're not trying to win? And they were probably hoping things would go south so they can move on. Chuck Pagano, go. Best dude. He is still my pick. I wrote about, like, why he should be the next Monday Night Football uh, host or commentator. Have hmm. you listened to him mic'd up? He's fascinating. Never. Never. His I watched his press conferences. He had this whole thing about Groundhog Day and got really upset at the millennials for not knowing what Groundhog Day was and like the Bill Murray movie. And yeah. Likeable dude. I think he should be the guy to replace uh, John Gruden in the booth. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. My mic <laughs> fell. <laughs> he got very excited about the, the uh, oh my God. Monday Night Football thoughts. He started flailing his arms. Oh my god, 
my mic just fell middle of the podcast this is like this is a first it just fell off the thing and i'm debating what to do but i'm playing it cool <laughs> um it just fell apart yeah, so. it still sounds fine so you're good that's great. I'm holding it right now. That's why it sounds good. It's, uh, it's locked in place. So this is fantastic. I'm leaving all of this in. And uh, yeah, so let me roll down. We've talked a lot about Andrew Luck and uh, Kirk Cousins, some other potential um, trade stuff. Do you think Marcus Peters gets traded by the Chiefs? <laughs> um, yes. Okay. I think it's stupid, but yes. Why do you think it's stupid? I think because Marcus Peters is a top three cornerback in football. Top three? Yeah. So do you think part of it, though, is because they had Ken- they added Kendall Fuller and they... I think they're probably going to keep reset. Like, do you think they draft somebody in the first round of cornerback? Because I don't think they really need any more offensive mm. help. Where do they go? Because they have a pretty stacked front. I guess they need a pass rusher more than anything. Justin Houston's getting old. Yeah. The Chiefs... The Chiefs don't have a first round pick, I don't believe. Oh, that's right for the Mahomes yeah. stuff. So like, and they might. Uh, is their second round pick close? I can't remember, but yeah, I, I mean, it, maybe, maybe. I mean, depending on what they do with Peters, they could draft a cornerback because then that'll be in the second round. So you'll be able to pick somebody because it, it, it's a weak edge rushing class. So you're not really going to be able to pick up somebody in the second round who's. I don't know if you're gonna like fall in love with, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I don't know if there's gonna be somebody before the draft that you're going to be willing to say like move a Marcus Peters just because it's like, oh well, okay, we like the depth in this draft and we know that we can get either a pass or sure cornerback or something like that. So I don't really know what they would do, but yeah, I think Marcus Peters is one of the best cornerbacks in football. And I think the reasons why they would trade him um is I guess because they don't want to pay him, but a an aggressive 3-4 style of defense requires you to have a star corner. Like, you have to have a good outside corner. Really, you have to have two. If you want to be an elite defense, you kind of got to have two because you can't really have a weak spot on one of the sides. Arizona figured that out the hard way. They ran an aggressive 3-4 with Patrick Peterson, and then they had literally nobody on the other side of Patrick Peterson, and every team just tore them apart by throwing to the other guy. So... It, it it just it's it's weird to me how it's like okay I get it he's in a contract year the Chiefs don't want to pay him but why don't you want to pay him is my thing so the only thing that that would lead me to believe is that they want their corners to they want to draft corners well and have them be one of their budgetary positions on a cap space so maybe they I mean maybe they're going corner I guess because they traded for Fuller so maybe they are going to go corner. And then they know. could replace him with uh, Richard Sherman. God, <laughs> I feel like a one for one. That would be the that would be the weirdest. Marcus Peters feels like a Seahawks cornerback to me. I read, so I saw a headline for an article and it said Marcus Peters is not a Seahawks cornerback, and I think it was for field goals or for field goals or whatever. Unbelievable. And I'm like, what? Wow, sure how? There's what? A personality in the NFL that fits the Seattle Seahawks more than Marcus. I know. Peters. I was like, I don't, I don't. What? How? What? What? Which? There must be. Is there? Is there two Seahawks that I don't know? <laughs> I'm like, uh, Emmanuel. If Sanders. I was Tampa, if I was Tampa Bay, I'd be trading for Marcus Peters. Okay. No question. Hmm. I'd give up a second for Marcus Peters in a heartbeat. Hmm. But how would Mika Grimes feel about that? Um. Brent Grimes might not be back with the team because he might just straight up retire. So I don't know. It's been like he's had a long career. It's actually kind of surprising he's been around for as long as he has. Yep. He's a stud. He is. Mm. I don't know how athletic. I, I don't know how he remains to be athletic at 34. Like that athletic at 34. It's crazy. Hmm. I don't know. Manuel Sanders. Where do you think he ends up? Um, I don't really understand why he's getting cut. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that would need his services. I mean, like Baltimore needs receivers, but that, that would like signing Emmanuel Sanders would just be the exact same strategy they've had the last three years that hasn't done them any good. New England, um, New England ish, Carolina. Ooh, Carolina would make sense. Yeah, I like Carolina. I like the fit for Carolina. I like the idea of them drafting a wide receiver. Like if Carolina were to go, okay, we're gonna sign Emmanuel Sanders and draft like like Auden Tate, for example, from Florida State. Like I, I really like, I would really like that a lot for Carolina's offense. I think that helps them a lot. I think that gives them a big boost there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Um, depending Carolina on whatever the needs like bodies because they were literally out of people by the end of last season. Yeah, well, that's their own fault. Well, thankfully they have. Uh, well, I don't know if I want to dive into that yet, but thankfully Marty Herney's around, so they can uh, trade up for the next Armani Edwards. So. <laughs> Because that is something he did. He gave up a first to get trade up for Armandy Edwards in the third round. People want to give him credit for like drafting Cam Newton. And it's like, come, dude, like a, like a monkey could have drafted like Cam Newton. Like a, you could have you could have trained a zoo animal to just click a button and pick Cam Newton number one overall. I don't know. Hey, that's the guy who also gave Jake Delomic a contract. So be be careful, sir. Who you're the buck here. the buck killer, Jake Delome. <laughs> Jake Delhomme. Uh Sua Cravens is apparently coming out of retirement. Another See, Scott I, McLuhan guy. Second rounder. I have no idea what to do with Sua Cravens. I do. Atlanta Falcons, right now. Okay. Because they can't right. lose Ricardo Allen. Like he's a really important piece for them. And where, one, where does he play for Atlanta? He's somewhere he in the back. He's a safe. I don't know if he's a strong or a free safety, but okay. they could find a way to use Sua Cravens. I can confirm that. So do you, would you want Keanu Neal to move to free safety? Ooh. I don't know if he could handle free safety. So I don't know. Yeah, I think Keanu Neal is a phenomenal strong safety. So if you're bringing in Sue Cravens, what are you doing? You playing him at like linebacker or what? Ooh, there you go. I don't know. I like the idea of Sue Cravens in Atlanta. They'd be fast. They'd be fast as hell yeah. in the box if Sue Cravens played linebacker for them. Because they'd have Deion Jones. They'd have Sue Cravens. McKinley. Yeah, they'd be fast, man. I don't know where he goes, but definitely not back in Washington. Well, certainly no. Oh, yeah. another New England guy, like the Patrick Chung replacement. There he goes. <laughs> yep. New England could figure it out. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. And then the last one, though, on this like trade target talk that's interested me is Tyrod. Like, I don't think we we briefly touched on that as to whether or not he would fit with the new offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble. I don't think it's going to work and I think it's time to move on and just give him somewhere else. If I'm the Broncos, that's still like, I have been pounding the why is Tyrod Taylor, not a Denver Bronco just dilemma for the last couple of years. And I'd rather him at like a one or two year deal as a stopgap, especially if you still draft a first round quarterback, like draft Baker Mayfield and then trade for Tyrod Taylor if I'm Denver. Is Tyrod fully under contract? Like, would you have to trade for him? I think you would have to trade for him uh, this year. Because I'm pretty sure this is the last year of his contract after this one. He signed a two-year deal last year. I would, I mean, like, I would love Tyrod Tyra Taylor in Jacksonville. Hmm. I don't know if he's a Tom Coughlin guy. I don't know if he is either. But, like, for example, you know, they made it to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles doing, like, his little, almost, like, one read, check down, take off kind of antics and i think tyrod taylor can do more than that but even if that's what you just ask him to do i think he does it as a at a better higher level than Bortles was there a crossover does. between doug marone and buffalo with tyrod um yes uh, hmm. well that could be I interesting think, i don't know let me look i'm not sure if he was still in baltimore at that point because doug marone left a while ago i'm not sure if there was any crossover but if there was that'd be interesting um the other team though that i think would be interesting for tyrod um miami i you know i was going down the list in my head and i was thinking about miami i just don't think they do it yeah i guess you have to see what you have in Tannehill this last year i think miami's still gonna draft a quarterback though uh no tyrod got to buffalo the year after maroon left hmm. so there's no connection okay that was the only. That was our only hope of getting Tyrod to Jacksonville. <laughs> we could be mean and send him to Cleveland. Uh, no, that wouldn't make any sense. No, but I mean, Cleveland's also probably going to draft Josh Allen number one overall. So, are we sure anything Cleveland's going to be doing in the near future is going to make sense? Oh, very you know true. Do? I know what we could do. Send him back to Baltimore. And I the- <laughs> okay. The second you brought up Tyrod Taylor's name, the first thing I thought of was Baltimore. Oh wait, he came from there. Never mind. And it can come full circle, and he can re- become the starter, and Joe Flacco can become the backup, and it could be a great story. I'd be a, that'd be that'd be an annoying story for Ravens fans. 
Well, I guess not. They got a Super Bowl out of it. I was gonna say, yeah, they get a Super. What if they got a Super Bowl from both? There you go. But, then at that point, it's just you know the Great American Story. <laughs> for sure. Um, do you want to talk about Marty Herney for a second? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Marty Herney is officially the general manager. Um, he was the interim after they fired Dave Gettleman, who is now the general manager for the Giants. And you know, whenever you have an opportunity to bring back Marty Herney. That is something you should do. The guy who was the GM from 2002 to 2010, uh, I suppose this means like the whoever buys the team from Jerry Richardson is going to like want continuity, and I, like I guess this helps things because Herney's very familiar with the situation there and it's been there for a long time and is well liked. And as you pointed out, he did draft Cam Newton, which is something, but he also has a history of trading up for players that don't work out, giving bad contracts. He immediately like locked up Thomas Davis again, who Thomas Davis loves Marty Herney. And I think hates Dave Gettleman. Um, he drafted Jimmy Clausen. He drafted Everett Brown. He drafted Armani Edwards. Just look at his like last three drafts and you will see exactly why the Panthers went into the basement and made the change to Dave Gettleman when they did. And Dave Gettleman put together a 15-1 Super Bowl team. And Marty Herney did not. And Marty Herney, maybe my favorite status, he gave four years to and $12 million to Orlando Mare one year. And you can appreciate this as a Bucks guy um, with the Robert Aguayo uh, connection <laughs> of whenever you have an opportunity to like lock up or trade up for a kicker, you do it. Look, man, I've often said, You've got to take a. You got to trade up for your kicker in the draft. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> Robert Aguayo! What a home run in Tampa Bay. He has been. Oh wait, is he not? Where is he? No, not Chicago. No, he's not there either. Is he out of the league? Okay, there he is. Is he out of the league? I think he. I think he's I, out of the league. He might be on the Chargers. He might have signed a futures contract with the Chargers. Hold on, let me look that up. I don't know why anyone still drafts kickers. Yep, he's with the Chargers. Oh, my God. There you go. Well, maybe he... Well, I still want my man Kim to get the job back and win it back. See, that's what I wanted, but I I think that, that dream is over. I don't know. Probably. Um, yeah, it's, it's... The Herney thing's weird. Um, Just because it's... You're, you're bringing back a guy who you had for over a decade who, like, failed to bring you a championship, and you think it's going to be different. He got, uh, it's just weird. He got it's just weird because you, you, you got rid of the guy you replaced him with who then did the job that you thought that he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then you fired him for the guy that you had before. It it's seems like go back and forth of like Marty Herney seems like a guy you'd rather work for. And Dave Gettleman's like the tough boss who is strictly numbers oriented and it's just cold and calculated and... You know, I can understand why players would prefer Marty Herney. And also because Marty Herney gives these, like Charles Johnson, like I love Charles Johnson quotes about Marty Herney. And like, uh, would you turn that down? Like the money that uh, Marty Herney would offer him. And yeah, it makes sense why players want him around. And it's also why fans should be scared. You know, <laughs> City of Charlotte sports fans, honestly, at this point, if you wanted to bow out for a couple of years, I would understand because they're on the verge of having Mitch Kupchak and Marty Herney being their team's general managers in 2018. Yikes. I just, what did they do to deserve this? Charlotte's a wonderful city, though. Been there multiple times. Like the Panthers and the Hornets, some of the best uniforms in sports. It's not working. Uh, What's your favorite Panther uniform? Black one or the teal one? Uh, Black one. I think I like the teal one the most. I think they're both great. Is that teal? I don't know what teal is. What color? I, I'm partially colorblind. So teal, I'm not really certain what that actually looks like. Mm-hmm. You could tell me any kind of well, blue is teal I, and I'd believe you. I, I can't. Hard for me to explain colors. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you colorblind too? No, 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 no. I'm just saying like it. it's very hard for me to explain colors to someone who might not be able to see the color. <laughs> That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh man, what's what's teal like? Well, you know, it's kind of like a. It's like this color. And, it's uh, you know it's uh, you know it's just uh you know it's it's like uh teal you know um it's kind of like it's a blue it's like a blue green mix 
put it this way like my color blindness uh do you remember that color rush game where it was like the jets and the bills and the bills were all red and the yes. Jets were all green yes that was my hell is it the same color for you yes so See, like my immediate next, books, my immediate next question is, is to ask you what color it is, but you don't know. So, like, the most frustrating part about being colorblind, and you can only get it, I think, from your mom's dad. If they have the gene, it gets pa- it can get passed. Wow. So way I to pinpoint. It. Way to pinpoint the culprit. Yeah, no, I, I pinpointed it. I pinpointed it because he is colorblind and he passed it on to me. So I got it, but I don't think my brother did. And uh, anyway, so you know those books that uh there's these coloring books where you can you're supposed to find the number within the the page and okay it's certain numbers so you can see like if you're not colorblind you can see the number clearly in this picture i got so frustrated because i can't find the stupid number my mom and brother <laughs> are looking at it they're like it's right there and i'm like i can't i know where it's supposed to be but i can't see it and this is i i've just i was so frustrated not being able to see these stupid numbers in the page it was it was pretty draconian and i was very upset at them putting me in that position where i had to stare at a page and not see a number that i was supposed to see i can imagine some color rush games are are a certain kind of hell for colorblind people yeah it's not great a lot of mismatched socks in my day (laughs) (laughs) oh man what an nfl podcast we went down the color rush game but you know brings it full circle because the color rush is part of the nfl experience so color blindness color rush we we bring the big issues to the forefront on this podcast that's why we're here yeah are you working on anything big this week any traveling any uh senior games that you're going uh to? i am actually going to be headed up to indianapolis for the scouting combine uh in less than a week now so i'm going to be there for five days um kind of giving in uh, you know, I, I obviously have a little bit of a Bucks angle with it because that's the the outlet I'm good that I'm going for. But I'm a big NFL draft nut, so um, I'm gonna be tweeting out all kinds of interviews, quotes, um, official numbers, um, measurements, whatever it is that I can gather at the combine. I'm gonna be getting that information out to a lot of people, so uh, very excited for that. It'll be my second year going. So last year I was kind of last year it was it was it was a fun first experience, but I was kind of starstruck just because it's something that I've watched you know on tv for years and years and years and then i was finally there so maybe i'll get a little bit more constructive work done this year so um yeah i'm looking forward to that well i don't know how it's going to compare to your shrine game experience where you got to watch jt barrett up close you see see you say <laughs> jt barrett sarcastically mm-hmm. but like jt barrett was by far the best quarterback in we the talked shrine about this so. and i was like that's why i wouldn't go <laughs> that's your cell is the best quarterback to watch is jt barrett i'm out yeah yeah, it's uh, it's right in my backyard though, so it's easy. Uh, basically, it's like a ten minute drive for me. So is Johnny Manziel? Uh, I there? guess I'll go see JT Barrett today. <laughs> I guess I'll go see JT Barrett today. That is uh, how many NFL scouts thought the same thing when they were at the shrine? They were like, I guess we'll go watch JT Barrett play. There's a lot of there's a lot of NFL personnel that goes to the shrine game stuff. Hmm. So there you like go. it's basically it's it's, it's kind of like like the Senior Bowl, but not as heavily covered by the media. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more media people that fill out the senior bowl, but at the shrine game, there's still the, I mean, kind of the same number of NFL teams that are represented there. Um, so it's, you know, they care, I guess they were, they were out in full force to go see JT Barrett. There you go. There you go. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Tampa HRA. We can read you at peterreport.com and, uh, yeah, man, good luck with everything. Good luck with your travels. And, uh, don't watch any more JT Barrett. That's all I asked. By the time we, ne- we next talk, I hope you've not watched any more JT Barrett film. Hey, man. He's a good kid. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, yeah, no, dude. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. And uh, you also, we also made it through the impo- the entire podcast, and you did not bring up the fact that you went 2-0 and against me in the a- AFC and NFC Championship picks. Did I? Last time I was on. Yep. Yes. You, picked, you picked the Eagles and the Patriots, mm-hmm. and I picked the jaguars and the vikings and you did not bring that up and for that you're a gentleman so well in fairness and i should mention that if i had remembered that i would have started the (laughs) podcast with that and found different ways to organically bring that into the conversation of like do you remember how i went to an o a couple weeks ago in our picks yeah there you go so what we've learned is i am actually the expert and i will be taking trey's place covering the nfl draft this week true 
happen. That's the rules. Those are the rules. <laughs> Those are the rules. All right, Trey. Thank you so much as always, and we will talk again soon, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. All right, Trey. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys.